listening to UWA Alumni's Pursue Inclusion podcast series. Thanks for downloading this episode. UWA is committed to an inclusive society where every life is respected as unique and valuable. Visit our website at pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au to see how you can join with others in the UWA community to create positive change. Welcome to the Pursue Inclusion UWA podcast series. This is your host, Dr. James Kelly. I'm the host of Executives After Hours podcast, as well as the forthcoming book, The Crucible's Gift, Five Lessons from Authentic Leaders Who Thrive in Adversity. Today on this episode, I have the pleasure to speak with Paul Flay. Hey, Paul, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, James. If you could quickly give the audience, the UWA audience, just a quick 10,000 or near parlance, 3,000 meter view of what you do. Uh, I'm the CEO of an organization called Australian Inclusion Group, and we have a couple of businesses that focus on inclusion generally. One of those businesses is Inclusion WA, where we focus on working directly with people with disabilities, mental illness, that sort of thing. And another business where we do a lot of work with um, communities, state sporting associations, local governments and workplaces to help them understand and access the benefits of inclusion. Like how did you arrive at that space? Right, because that's that's a personal space, right? To, to get to go down this space means that you had to have definitely you have to have compassion to be in this space. Mm. So mm. how did you how did you end up there? <laughs> uh, in a very convoluted way, actually, and I had no idea about inclusion, what the words meant, or any real depth of understanding to it. But I think somewhere deep down, I understood the concepts, the the broad concepts of social justice, inequity, these kinds of things. And I think from my upbringing, I, I had a grandfather, to be very personal for a minute, I had a grandfather who was very, very sort of um, focused on social justice. And that meant for me personally, he was important in my life. And I, I probably now looking back, reflect on, I didn't at the time, but I reflect back on now and realized the impact he had on me and what it meant to me broadly was that I really had a sense that we're all born equal and just because of um, our culture, our race, uh, our identity, our religion, our sexual preferences, any other component that we might generalize shouldn't mean that we are faced with automatic inequity. I think we can create our own inequities by our behaviors and our, and our own personalities in some ways, but that should be something that we can control, shouldn't be enforced upon us by society, which it often is. And I think that as something deeply in, in, within me has always felt like that's not the right approach and that's not a good way forward for us as a society. So what I love about that, though, is that in, you know, in life, we all have somebody who influences us, us as an individual and the choices mm, that we mm. make. And I love the fact that you share that little that little personal nugget, because the reality is, you know, all the people I interviewed for this this initiative for UWA, all of them had somebody in their life previously that kind of showed them this social justice path if you will. Mm, mm. But, you know, with someone, for someone like you and like your grandfather who is all about social justice and inclusion, you know, how do you take the fact that many of the headlines you read in the newspaper, online, CNN, Fox, whatever you're watching, sports included, mm. by the way, how do you take the idea of this discord across headlines and not think to yourself, do people really want inclusion, right? Like, do you think that people want inclusion or do you think people want money to create, <laughs> to create discord? <laughs> Look, I think I think there's absolutely no doubt that the media, many of our current leaders across the world, definitely prey on some of our fears and and peddle division within our within our society because it has particular means to ends for them personally. And I think from a media perspective, it gets headlines and it creates that divide, which is a true story arc. There's that conflict, which you know all good stories have. But I think 
broadly, most people want peace and harmony. Most people want functional, healthy communities and workplaces. I think most people like the idea of living and working in cohesive, inclusive environment. Yeah, and an example of that was some research. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Some research done out of the US. They interviewed a thousand staff from various universities across the US around sort of their workplaces and things they enjoyed or didn't like so much in their workplaces. And we spent a lot of time as a culture and society talking about bullying and sort of workplace harassment and these sorts of things. And while they're all important, the thing that came out number one for these university um, staff was not being included. So in environments where they felt like they should have been included, they should have been part of a particular group or part of meetings or, or um, going for coffee with some manager or other, these kinds of things, they were the things that really upset the most of all. So even in the workplace, actually being excluded. God, um, I feel that. something that really irritates that, yeah. Like, I'll feel, I mean, just from a, from a perspective, like, you know, and, and, you know, here I'm a 43-year-old grown man with four kids, and even I will think sometimes, why wasn't I in that conversation? Why wasn't I? So, so the, the kind of the follow-up question that then then is, how much of that is not being included Versus just being sensitive. Um, look, I think we all, as human beings, like to feel like we're valued. And I think, to me, that's the essence of inclusion. It's that you feel valued as a human being and your contributions are valued. But I think also, interestingly, the term inclusion is often an over overused and misunderstood word in some ways. Often, I will see things that are labelled as inclusive or inclusion, and they're really just an event or a practice for one particular demographic. And to me, and to the work that we do in our philosophies and our organisations, that's not inclusion at all. I think you get inclusions when you build a house. You know, you get air conditioning. That's that's included, but that means in that context, that means that it's present. But in true social inclusion, which is the ultimate aim, social inclusion isn't just about the presence of something, a presence of a disadvantaged group. It's actually when they're valued and their contributions are valued, they feel truly like they can belong and those sorts of things. And so that word tends to get used as, oh, this person with a disability, this um, person from this um, racial or cultural background is present in the room or present in this environment, therefore they're included. But actually, that's only the first part of it. In our organisation, we would talk about levels of inclusion being physical, functional and social. The physical is what we often talk about in regards to access. So taking the simple example of a person with a disability, they can get into the room, the ramps are there, the doorways are the appropriate width, those kinds of things. Functional inclusion is can you function as an individual within that environment? And the social inclusion, which is the highest level we should be aiming for, is when people feel valued as part of their contribution is valued. And that can equally apply to a person with a disability as it can to, uh, at currently there's lots of uh, push and quite rightly for more um, women to be on boards, corporate boards, for example. Now you can be in the room and be a woman as one woman on a corporate board, but actually if you don't feel truly valued that your contributions are really there, you're not truly included, you're present, but you're not truly included. And that's yeah. for the ultimate at that social inclusion level. You're a participant. And we talk about that a lot. Where is it participation or is it inclusion? And they're not the same thing. So then I guess, you know, if you were to create your, your utopia world, you know, why do you think we need inclusion? I think broadly what we can see really clearly is that diversity and difference adds a lot of richness, a lot of value. And, and there's lots of really quality research from around the world that highlights that um, workplaces, communities, uh, social gatherings, um, sports clubs get a lot from diversity and, and from difference. But in actual fact, as I've said, what you really get at that point is you don't get the full extent of the benefit to our, our society and our communities unless you go to that point of social inclusion. The real richness comes from not just accepting that people are there, 
but actually being able to truly include everybody. And an example of that for me personally, you know, is you know, in Australia at the moment, Western Australia, we've got a same-sex, or sorry, in all of Australia, we've got a same-sex marriage debate. And I think that that sort of difference is highlighted within that. So my mum, on a personal experience, grew up in a religious household, and I think probably 10, 15 years ago, she would have been anti-same-sex marriage very much. But a very good friend of mine came out as gay some years ago and is in a loving relationship. And my mum absolutely adores both parties in that in that relationship and now that's completely changed her attitude because she's got a personal relationship with her and that richness that comes from that and from that personal relationship is meaningful to her and now she feels that she's getting some benefit from that relationship as well as my, my friend and, and his partner so i think you, um so oh, sorry. sorry i didn't mean to cut you off I, I just got me thinking about this idea something you just said which i think may be a really important attribute to this idea of inclusion is you just use the phrase around your mom and i'm going to paraphrase it in my parlance but like essentially your friend who came out as gay created a shared meaning with your mom and that then lowered the bar for her beliefs around that concept so do you think that if we could create more shared meaning between different groups that we could increase the level of inclusion does that make sense I, I, yeah, it absolutely makes sense and actually i think that's the key and i know this is a long long journey but i genuinely think that the key to broad social inclusion is around personal relationships you don't tend to feel accepting of a whole generalized cohort of any particular people um, it comes down to individual examples and i think what we again talk about a lot is that there's a lot of talk about diversity and difference but you know research shows quite clearly as well that actually some diversity training which occurs actually um, exacerbates the problem and creates greater divides in the way that it's actually delivered. <laughs> because human beings, we don't connect over difference, actually. It's nice to enjoy that and accept difference. And it's nice to have that notion of accepting difference. But actually, what we connect over is similarities. We connect over some, and it might only be something small. You know, we were, we were talking off air a little bit about football. And I can give you an example of a young man with a disability who went into a workplace and he was overjoyed to finally get some paid employment. It was changing his life. And I spoke to him about three months after he was started in that workplace and he wanted to quit because nobody was speaking to him and he was participating and he was there and he was doing the things that he wanted to do, but he didn't feel valued. He didn't feel part of it. One day he wore his West Coast Eagle scarf into the office because it must have been a final series or something, put it on the edge of his workspace and someone went, oh, you're an Eagles fan. And he had a completely different life to this person he connected with, but they connected over that one similarity. And then each weekend, there was something they could share and then something they could talk about. And now he loves his role there because we connect over similarities. And so at a personal level, we've got to, yes, accept difference, but that's only the first step. It's actually how do we develop those personal relationships at an individual level? Because then we've all probably got people in our networks who, as a generalization, you might go, oh, I'm not sure about that group of people. But at an individual level, we've got a personal relationship. Martin Luther King spoke about the dream of having his children wanting to be accepted for the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And I think that's what it comes down to. Uh, I could name any particular group of people or you know, any group of people, you put 100 of them in the room, you might get along with 90 or 95 of them. But actually, in any group, there's some people you go, I just don't like that guy. Mm, <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> but, but it's about finding that, 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 that sort of similarity with individuals, which is why I was saying that it's actually a long journey because it's really around saying, I accept the difference, and now I've got to some, find some personal way, something that we have in common that I can connect with you over. And it's you know, that, that connection which makes it... Well, that, that's something that, you know, um, I've been fortunate enough, and I talk about this all the time, which I'm sure if, if any of my audience listens to this, they'll be like, shut up, James. But, you know, I've been fortunate enough to live in different countries, uh, three, and then 
uh, four major cities in the U.S. Ever all all's an adult, uh, and so clearly I'm not a stable individual either because I move a lot. But what I have found is exactly what you just said: is that too often we are so focused on the differences between groups and not the similarities that of course you're never going to bond over something because you're just raising hell about what's wrong with somebody. And it kind of goes back to the first the first question I asked about the discord in the newspapers and online about you're either for me or against me and you know same with the gay marriage in, in Australia right now you're either for it or against it like there's never like this gray margin that is created for people to share some sort of commonality and so you've you've given me a lot of great examples of just how inclusion works in your real life and I guess for me in your work environment as a CEO how do you actually foster inclusion in what you do at your organization yeah, and I think that's a really good question because I think it's easy for me as a CEO to think about these sorts of things in a broad social context because that's that's our remit. But actually then as a CEO and we've got between the two businesses 100 staff and so we're obviously managing staff and trying to grow some businesses and have some some cut through in a, in a semi-corporate sense, if you will. So I think I think about that sort of thing a lot. And for me, it's around taking those same principles and saying, how can I find some small thing and connect with each of my staff? And it doesn't have to be on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, but I'm finding them, who are these people as human beings and what can I connect over them? I've got some staff who are, um, you know, right into beekeeping. And so I'm really interested in bees and their, and their role in our environment. So I sp we spend a lot of time talking about that whenever I see her. <laughs> and it's those little things. But also as a CEO, and I'm a, I'm a white male. So for me, it's very, very easy to slip back into there's sure. a group of people here I like playing golf with. But I've got to be really thoughtful is how do I connect with some of those people who aren't in, don't play golf and mm -hmm. I don't connect them with that? Am I going back to that study in, of staff in the US? Am I actually <laughs> sort of excluding people here accidentally? And, and how are they feeling about these types of environments? So it's something that isn't a simple answer except to say that I think about it a lot and how I can connect with individuals in the same way that I was just referring to. That's a, that's a great answer. I think that, you know, if I was to summarize that is, it's really just being present and aware of those around you. you know, I have a book coming out in the spring, and one of the chapters I talk about is this idea of being relatable. And I call it relatableness. It's not a real word, but that's what I term it. Because for me, when I, when I, when I interview and talk to, to CEOs and managers, the ones that really get it, I never really thought about it from an inclusion standpoint, by the way, but, but through these conversations, it's, it's a lot more about inclusion is that they find a way, it's a noun for me, right? I use it as a noun. And they go out of their way to find out something about somebody, at the or about everybody at the organization to create these micro moments of shared meaning. Because in those micro moments of shared meaning, for the manager, it may not be big or small, but for that person, it could be huge, beekeeping. That could be huge for that person when you talk to them, you know, or whatever other topic you share with somebody else. It could be a big topic for them and only a small topic for you. But as a leader, you're trying to foster that sense of inclusion as being part of something greater than themselves. So I think what you just provided was an awesome example. So um, I only have time for one more question because you and I talked too long before we started and I back-to-back -back interviews. I think we started this conversation really talking about the difference between diversity and inclusion. So, you know, many of us in organizations never go past the topic of diversity, right? It's black, white, Asian, white, this white, like it's always like some sort of dichotomy. And a fascinating point to this story is I work with a gentleman who is Emirati, but, but spent time in the US. And I said something to him about being white and him black, you know, and he said, why is it you Americans always break everything down to black and white? And it was like a smash in the face, like, oh, we really actually do. 
So my point is, is how do we then go beyond talking about diversity and move it to the conversation of inclusion? And so then how do we create a society that does more than just accept the differences, but we actually engage in constructive conversation with those that are different? I think that starts, James, by looking at and understanding that there are great benefits from diversity and, and, and difference and the richness we get from that. I think we've got to have that. I mentioned earlier that it's not as simple as accepting, but I think that's got to be the starting point. And um, we used to do a lot of work with sporting clubs here in Perth, and we used to have discussions in an altruistic sort of way, which was it's the right thing to do to include different groups. But actually what we realized more and more was what people connected with was, well, what's in it for me? Um, and we're all human. And one of the things that we as do innately or otherwise is ask ourselves what's in it for me? Why would I do this? And one of those things isn't simply about, oh, it's the right thing to do for me as an individual or a community, but actually there's lots of richness and benefit that workplaces get from being inclusive, that, that communities get from being inclusive, or the local sporting club gets from being inclusive. You know, more members, more dollars, more volunteers, more money spent over the bar. You know, these kinds of things at a local level are really important to those groups. That's true of communities and workplaces as well. So I think that's got to be the starting point. And then after that, it becomes down to, and I, and I think something I mentioned earlier, and I don't think there's any major way around this. It's great to make that first step of accepting, but then you've got to make the effort to say, how do I make personal connections here and, and what's in it for me and what's in it for this person and my club or my group or my workplace? And I think the workplaces are really important. And I think that's something that often gets forgotten about. There's lots of talk about diversity in workplaces and there's sort of diversity training and diversity inclusion, uh, more and more diversity inclusion officers or managers within workplaces. But actually, very often in my experience, again, they stop at diversity. Well, we've got three people who are gay and five people who come from this cultural background and you know whatever but actually how do you make those people work together how do they how do how are they facilitated and empowered to work together and do they truly belong and i think that step into inclusion in the workplace is powerful because work is such a big part and such a big connector for all of us actually that then takes that takes it into community rather than the other way around and i think that's something that and something good about workplaces actually is that it's a contained environment to start working with it's hard to change a whole community but you can develop champions within your workplaces and then those champions can take those ideals and those practices out into community back into their own networks and that's that's something that's kind of more manageable and more attainable i think awesome so that was a great way to end this conversation paul flay ceo of inclusion wa and a glut for punishment frio fan thank you for your time your energy and your willingness to sit down with me on the pursue inclusion uwa initiative Thanks, James. Great to be here. Thanks for listening to UWA Alumni's Pursue Inclusion podcast series. Make the commitment to leave no one behind by taking part in our movement towards an inclusive society. Join an inclusion project or inspire others to act through the great work you are already doing by visiting pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au.